0: Support for the Managing Major podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming and champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. off and free worldwide shipping with the code ManagingMadrid at Manscaped.com. And we are recording this right after Vinicius smokes Sevilla in dramatic fashion. I'm wondering, Matt Wilsey, do you think Vinicius might have Manscaped today?
1: Oh, for sure. Vinicius definitely Manscaped. And I think the Brazilians just overall this season have gotten the Manscaped memo because Militao was also tremendous at the back. He had one little blip on the corner kick, but otherwise was a, was a monster once again. Uh, those two and another another man of the uh, manscape, man of the match that we have to shout out is Thibaut Courtois coming up with a huge save in the 93rd minute. I mean, those guys, all all three of them are using their Lamo 4.0, and it, it, I mean, it's obvious.
0: Listeners, if you want to make heroic saves like Thibaut Courtois or score late game golassos like Vinicius Jr. at the Bernabeu just like you dreamed of when you were a kid, get some Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. This episode of the Managing Mutual Podcast is also brought to you by Bisha Hotel and Residences in downtown Toronto. Bisha offers an elegant boutique option in Toronto. The hotel gives you access to the best of the city with a location in the entertainment district within walking distance to the waterfront and the business district. It may be boutique, but this art-filled abode does not lack style nor luxury. And its designer rooms, a celebrity chef, and a 24-hour gym are inclusive to the hotel Bisha hooked us up when we did our live podcast in Toronto at the Flatiron Firkin Pub. They hooked us up with a great, comfortable stay, and we can't recommend it enough. We had a room overlooking the CN Tower. And if you go up all the way to the rooftop, there is a swimming pool and a restaurant called Cost, which has amazing food and a direct view of the CN Tower. And if you're looking for something more loungy slash club vibe, there is Mr. C in the bar lobby, has great DJs and great music and very, very, very good vibes. So if you're going for Toronto to Toronto for whatever reason, whether it's work, whether it's pleasure, whether maybe it's for our next podcast sometime down the road. I don't know when we're gonna be back, but we'd like to go back because Toronto was an epic time. Um, B-I-S-H-A Bisha, use code SOCIAL, S-O-C-I-A-L upon checkout for a discount. By the way, New York coming up this weekend, Myself, Keon Sobani, Om Arvin, and Gabe Lesnar will be doing a live show in Manhattan on Saturday night. Details to that, I think there are six tickets left at the time of this recording. Uh, Those things go by like unpredictably fast, and it's really no guarantee you'll get in if you don't book in the next couple days or so. So I would go book ASAP. And also, Tuesday, today's Sunday, 28th, so 30th on Tuesday, is the last day you can get early bird tickets to the Miami podcast we're doing in January. And if you don't book by Tuesday, then you're going to have to pay more if you want to book. So I would do that ASAP as well. So we got Miami January, New York this weekend. We got London UK in February, which is going to be really fun. Sam Sharp, Christopher McCormick will be there at the very least. We got DC in March. We got Chicago in April. And we got Mumbai, the mother of all season finales in May. And that'll be it for the season. That's where it ends all the tickets to all those shows are in the show notes, and coming up is a Vinicius Junior Swoonfest, and everything else that needed to be talked about after a win over Sevilla, so let's get right to it, kick back, and enjoy. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, the wonderful lads that do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there, Karim Benzema, to rest. Hello and welcome to a Sunday night edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is a very exciting episode coming your way because we're excited because Vinicius Jr. has put us on a high And he salvaged a game where Real Madrid were clawing and clinging and trying to impose their will and had trouble doing so. Their press was disjointed. They had a little bit of struggle defensively. Uh, Ancelotti himself said after the game uh, uh, that a draw would have been a fair fair result. And I think that's true. I think Sevilla, for large stretches of this game, were probably the better team. Although we also had our moments. And really, things kind of shifted after Carlo introduced a couple subs, which we'll get to. But the star of the show is Vinicius Jr., although I I think it should not be forgotten that Courtois had another great game. Vinny Jr. uh, kind of looks a little bit fatigued or gassed. I don't know, the last couple games, but a great sign and a sure sign of any superstar that when things aren't going your way, you can step up and just swing your balls around and... Dust two Sevilla defenders and score in the top right-hand corner in a late game winner, sending the entire Real Madrid fan base into delirium. And two of those fans are on this podcast tonight. So joining me, Kian Sobani, is Matt Wilty. Matt, how are you?
1: Hey, Kian. Yeah, I mean that was uh, Vin- it was Vinicius's moment. It was just an incru- like that type of shot rifled into the upper ninety. And I don't think we've seen that type of shot from him yet. Like where he just, yes, we've seen him score from outside the box, like a curl in, but just a absolute rip like that, where it rifles yeah. into the upper ninety. Um, I'm trying to think back, and I can't think of a goal like that. And in that moment, 87th minute, dying, dying minutes of the game, and he and he gets it done. I mean, that is what superstars do, and that is the different. Like that is the level he is at now. He's not just a talent he is a superstar he is one of the best players in the world end of like no other discussion it, it's it uh, the way he's playing since the start of the season he is one of the best players in the world and that's just so gratifying to say because we've gone through the the ups and downs with Vinicius and this is part of like this is part of the growing pains we'll go through with like a guy like Kamavinga for example and, and just other youngsters that eventually come and, and It'll be nice to always be able to reference the Venice example, um, because that's fresh in the memory. And he's now—it's incredible how rapid the the just development has been in this season alone, and how he's taken that final leap into end production, scoring and assisting on goals. And so I'm just—I'm so happy for him. I think that this is, to your point, again, like he wasn't playing that well. He had a, a tough game. Uh, Montiel was just all over him, all match. I was just watching them like off the ball and things the ref wasn't even noticing. Like Montiel was just grabbing his shirt, grabbing his arms, like constantly trying to pester Vinicius, And uh, to a large degree, like he and Cundey did really well to lock him down for for large stretches of this match. But that one moment—that's all it takes for superstars, and that's the difference. And they give you three points in games you may not necessarily deserve to win, and. I don't think we did deserve to win this, but Vinicius was the difference maker.
0: Well, the Montiel battle in itself, the fact that it was, it was so, it was, it's such a duel between those two, mostly because Montiel just was putting a body on him the whole time. I think you noted on Twitter, the fouls, the physicality, the fact that he finally got booked, I think it was in the second half after multiple, multiple challenges on him and multiple fouls. Um, It is fitting that. Montiel was one of the two defenders that was dusted on that play and Ocampos being the other one. So the fact that Militao, I mean, this is one of those assists that Militao has in his career when he looks back and he's going through, he's showing his grandchildren, his assist collection. He's like, check this one out. I did not deserve an assist for this at all. I, I made a, I made a switch to the left. Nice pass. It was a fine ball. Uh, usually it's just something, a routine, a routine pass. With one chest motion, he puts the ball into the the direction that he wants to with just like a basically a great first touch to get himself into space. Ocampos is left for that dead with that chest touch. And then the little shoulder drop to dust Montiel. And it just seemed like Vinicius found something in the moment there where he just kind of he dug deep. He dug as deep as he could physically. And I, I actually thought about that too because you brought up the point about the, the type of shot. Usually, from that angle, he goes for the far post curler. And I actually wonder if, like, because if you think back to like the last few times he's been in that position this season, it's either been at the goalkeeper, he hasn't got enough bend on it, or he bends it too far. I wonder if that entered his mind. He's like, you know what, this hasn't been working. I'm just gonna put my laces through it and just let it fly like a laser. It actually kind of reminded me of a, of a Roberto Carlos shot where Roberto Carlos actually has goals where he's cut in from the left side and shoots it with his right foot and it just rises and rises into the roof of the net. So it was just a, a perfect a perfect end to, it had kind of actually gotten dull a little bit in the second half after a pretty entertaining first half. but. Oh man, what a moment! It 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 felt like Vinicius had had a lot of good moments this season. Would you say that this that that's been the peak of it so far? This is the peak of it. Has there been a better like Vin- Vinny moment this season? Even if you think back to those
1: Shakhtar goals. No, I, I I think this is the peak of it, and it's funny because it's not in one of his best games. Like far and away, this out of all the matches from the season, this is probably lower on the spectrum of just in terms of his overall performance but the moment and how important the three points were I mean Sevilla would have gone top if they won this game so that's I mean that's this is a the table clash it was the 87th minute deadlocked at 1-1 and he he produces that moment I think for sure that's that's been one of the. not only is it his moment of the season but I think it's been one of Real Madrid's moments of the season if not maybe even the best so far Um,
0: there's a lot of themes and a lot of talking points, and we actually don't have that much time tonight, so we got to kind of prioritize, I guess, and maybe even look at some big picture stuff, but this game, um, had some, well, well, actually, let's start here, and by the way, it's a shame Om Arvin had to kind of drop out of this podcast last minute maybe for the best because I don't think I think we would have had to dedicate one hour to him alone just to talk about Vinicius and his greatness and uh you know maybe he's out celebrating maybe that's why he had to drop out he's like I can't sit in a seat and just talk I need to go party I don't I don't know what I'm doing but it's a shame he wasn't on the podcast tonight so let's talk about themes though like That first half, it seemed like Sevilla were doing a lot of good things and we were struggling with certain things. What stood out to you about that first half?
1: So I thought Sevilla were far and away the better team in the first half and I was really disappointed with the way Real Madrid came out and just our, not only our defensive structure, but just the effort and the energy levels. I felt like. The team to me looked v- fatigued. It looked like it was, they were labored in everything they had to do defensive wise. And like they were late to marks. Um, they weren't tracking. There were slop- a lot from Casemiro and Carvajal in particular, a lot of sloppy, sloppy touches, miscontrolled or under hit square passes, which allowed Sevilla to, to just pounce on and counterattack. Um, so I thought some of the stuff that we were doing was self-induced and just because we we looked off the pace um but other than that I was just more impressed with Sevilla I felt like um on the ball they they were composed they really weren't fretting under any of our pressure they they just, there were moments where I was like wow oh, is playing us off the park right now and I think that like throughout the match you could see that not only were they composed on the ball, but they were winning the 50-50 duels. And there were individual battles all across the pitch. Um, I thought Carvajal versus Papu Gomez, Ocampos versus uh, Mendy and Alaba, Rafa Mir obviously with, with Mili and Koundé with Benzema and Vinicius Jr. Like There was all these individual battles that were really intriguing. And I thought for the most part, Sevilla was winning those battles in the first half. I, I was impressed with Sevilla. And this was...
0: A, a, a sharp, sharp contrast to our last two opponents, and that was Sheriff and Granada. And it was like a reminder, like, wow, this is a really, really good team. And we haven't quite faced... I actually might go out on a limb and say, I don't even actually think it's that crazy to say it at all, maybe. But Sevilla may have been the best defensive team we've faced all season. Um, cause I think we, it's
1: the best team we played yet
0: possible we haven't played athletic yet who have also had a really really good defense this season as well but and and we have we played them twice in december by the way but um from a defensive standpoint purely i thought we were we were really struggling because they had a really organized low block and if you look at the first half chances we had a lot of it was just long range shots that we were resorted to Uh, whether it was alaba we had Kroos with the left foot um alaba's was like, I want to say from 40 yards. Justin and Militao's was like even farther out than that. Militao's shot that created the Benzema tap-in from one extreme to the other was a 0.01 XG. He let it fly. Benzema ends up with an almost 0.9 or 0.7, sorry, almost a 0.7 XG uh, in the six yard box. So that's kind of the funny thing about long range shots. If you actually hit them well, which Militao did, irrespective of the Bonu mistake. It can it can give you some other opportunities because it can kind of create some rebounds, some other chaos and stuff. But um, one of the things that we struggled with was just breaking that down and finding the right channels. And I thought we weren't getting the ball to Vinicius enough. Um, in a game like this, you kind of need more line breaking. You need touches for your best dribblers, and Vinicius wasn't getting a, a foothold of it. Ironically, Ferland Mendy, who was not known for that at all, was doing roulettes and. I think had six completed dribbles by halftime. <laughs> but, um, you know, one thing I did enjoy, not necessarily, I did, I did, maybe I didn't enjoy it, but I enjoyed it in theory, if we were able to exploit it more, was when, just like the Granada game, Asensu coming over to the left side, and instead of swapping wings with Vinicius, was actually going over there and trying to create overloads on that side. But it didn't quite quite work, but I liked it in theory. And one of the things that Om pointed out on Twitter He kind of just put out these screenshots and and kind of explained the fact that Sevilla were doing really well at sucking us out of our block by just having patient build up circulating position and inviting us to press them. And they were able to exploit holes that way. Although I thought our counter press was a little bit better. Just given how deep Sevilla were, I thought our counter press was better than our press, which actually is probably something that's been true for, for the entirety of the season. But I don't know if this surprised you, Matt. But like Sevilla, just given the fact that they're known for going through their wing backs for everything, and uh, I thought Acuna in particular had a really good game in this game defensively on Asensio and even Carvajal. Um, I was I thought that I, I was surprised to see that they actually hit above their season average on crosses, and they cross a lot, and they had over twenty crosses in this game. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but um, it kind of surprised me. I, I don't remember that many severe opportunities in this game. I just remember it being difficult to break down. And then they had, you know, a couple of Rafa Mir moments in the box. One of them obviously resulted in a goal where he's wide open. Um, but but did you, like, what is it that you think hurt us
1: defensively, like that they were able to exploit? Yeah, I mean, on the crosses, I think I, I can, my mind like flickers back to Acuna just, whipping in a couple early on. Yeah, but he had a lot. Other than that, I can't really think of like, yeah, other than that, I can't really think of too many dangerous ones. Um, but to the point Ohm made, I think it's funny because Sevilla was basically saying like, look, we know how bad Real Madrid perks, so we're going to put them we're going to bait them and put them into positions where we make them want to press us and like kind of trigger their press and then play right through it. And that's what they did. They did it with ease and I was Frustrated as I often sometimes am with Marco Asensio on the defensive end because Mm -hmm. there were moments where I was watching him and he just he he was pressing the the wrong player and he was and then when he would go to press the correct player Acuna he would be late and so uh, and there was one moment I think if you saw it in the 20th minute where Benzema tells the whole team to press and he starts to press And he literally looks back at Marco Asensio and, like, moves his hands, like, showing push-up, push-up, push-up. And Asensio never presses. And so Benzema goes, and he's expecting the rest of the team to be with him. And, sure enough, Sevilla just play it to um, the right and easily break out. And Benzema just puts his hands up and looks right at Marco Asensio. And so that was – I mean, that type of thing was happening too often for me. And I was watching – in the second half, I was watching Marco Asensio, like, even just defending our – 4-4-2 Four four two, 4 2 and uh, his positioning now he kind of like takes up his his like defensive stance just <laughs> I'm, I know I'm critiquing him hard but I just feel like it's not he's just nowhere near where you need to be at this level to, to play in that position and to provide the defensive solid, solidity that we need and I think Carvajal part of the reason why Carvajal had such a nightmare and the commentators were going in on him so much was because of that, like he really didn't have the support, and I think it only it only made it a harder night for Carval, especially because Acuna, Papu Gomez, Rakitic, all of them were they had really good movement and knew when to time their runs and interchange their positions, and so that made it really really difficult. Who did you have as your commentators? I wonder if it was the same in the states as had, it was in Canada. Uh, uh, um, Stuart Robson and Ian Darke. Oh,
0: okay, so I I don't know why because like canada we have tsn which picks up the espn feed but for some reason today we had different commentators and and uh, we had terry gibson as a as a color guy and I, I i it's just a he's a breath of fresh air and i was like i wish i had terry almost for every game because he he's such a good analyst and he, he doesn't get enough um enough attention as as a as a commentator and analyst not that i i see anyway so shout out to terry gibson uh I wish I had him more as a commentator, that's all. But uh, Asensio, I also, like, he he let Acuna make a few passes down the flank unchallenged and wasn't able to intercept. It wasn't even close to intercepting them either, which I think Militao was frustrated as well. By the way, shout out to Militao, who did such a good job at mopping things up because Sevilla were trying to exploit that high line when they could, and Militao was first almost every ball that came his way. So he continues his hot streak. Obviously involved in both goals because he shot at the post. Benzema scores. He has the the assist. All
1: three goals. What was oh the 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 goal that Rafa Mir scored as well? Yeah, that was Rafa Mir was Militao's Tao's mark. Yeah, and so uh, that's the only blemish on his on his book in this game because I I agree with you. I thought he was fantastic. Um, to be quite honest, moment. I
0: forgot to watch a replay of that goal. And I, I I had thought about it all night. And I was like, I have to watch it. I have to watch it. And I completely <laughs> forgot before we started recording. So he
1: basically got like, he kind of got picked. And he was ball watching more than he was like man marking Rafa Mir. Like he should have been, should have had hands on Rafamir Mir or at least been able to touch him. And let, I think it was Mendy and I can't remember the other Sevilla player Mendy was marking. But they basically got between him and Rafamir, and so then Rafamir was all on his own, and Milletau was watching the ball rather than trying to find where Rafamir was, and he was wide open for that header. The other thing, just to
0: quickly note about Asensio, is that, and I don't know if he would have started anyway if that was Carlos' plan, but something that I told Jose in the preview show was that I would prefer Rodrigo starting this game because of the way that Sevilla used the flanks, the fact that Rodrigo better defensively, more reliable. And also, Asensio would be fine off the bench. He generally is as good as a 12th man. But just before kickoff, we got wind that Rodrigo has gastro... How do you say it? Gastro... Gastroenteritis. <laughs> <laughs> Gastroenteritis or whatever. Gastroenteritis. Is what I'm going to go with. Uh, does not sound like a fun thing. So rest up, Rodrigo. Hope you hope you recover well. We need you. Um, yeah, Carvajal, kind of a weird one, right? I mean, there were times where he was doing good things. Like he did well when he was under pressure from Ocampos on some sequences. Um, his cutbacks were pretty calculated and, and well done. But then he had that mistake in the 15th minute where... It was very Eric Garcia-esque from yesterday. He had some poor touches. He had some poor giveaways, miscommunications. Then he had some good counterpressing sequences. Then he got bullied by Acuna. I don't know. It was just a, a weird Carvajal game. And some of, his, some of his mistakes were shocking, to be quite honest. I don't know what's, what, what was happening with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think one thing I did note that was a positive from Carvajal that I think kind of goes easily unnoticed, is when we're pressing high up the pitch, um, or not, not, not necessarily we're pressing, but we have the ball high up the pitch. Our line is really high, um, and let's say we cross it or something, and we don't win we don't win the cross. Sevilla clears it, and maybe Sevilla picks up the 50-50 ball and is about to counter. Carvajal is so quick to be twitched on and either come in centrally to either do a tactical foul or win the ball right back. Um, because we're so high up the pitch, he knows like if they make one pass through, then we're done. And I think he does a really good job of that, and it's something that can maybe not get noticed throughout a game, but he's usually always in the right position. And for a fullback, I mean, in, in the modern game now, like you're so high up the pitch and you have to be comfortable being that high and being like willing to go centrally and almost like in a zone 14 space to either pick up the loose ball or um make a foul and leave like huge gaps of space behind you but that's that's what it requires
0: um with interest in time i think we should jump ahead of, like fast forward in this game a little bit we to the subs unless you have something that needs to be said in between that i mean we if this was a longer podcast we could break down every single second if we wanted to but what is was there anything else that you wanted to say from the first half
1: or no um, just only one more thing. Quick thing was I thought um, Ocampos was really good for Sevilla, and uh, he I've never seen a player cause Mendy and Alaba that man, that much problem, that many problems, and uh, he obviously hit the crossbar after beating Casemiro one v one. Casemiro kind of dived into a slide tackle. Um, he nearly scored a header at right at the end of the half, and then I thought it was a clear penalty on alaba i thought like he he juked him. he went one way and went the other moved his body and then alaba stuck his foot out and there was contact so for me it was it should have been a penalty so you mentioned ocampos burning casemiro
0: there and and he casemiro was under much scrutiny in the in the post game and the, the social media dialogue and all that stuff I think, and this is more of a general midfield point, because I I think while Casemiro has had several games this season where he's looked off, and then there was a few games that he's looked good. Um, I think that it's more of an overarching theme that it's not just him, and it's more of like to me, I could just notice the fatigue today. I really could notice it. You can see it in the legs. You could even see it on Vinicius, um, who's one of the younger players, might even be the youngest player in the starting lineup. I'm not sure. I possibly, probably, but he just looked like in transition even, he was, he looked like a little bit leg-heavy. And it's just a theme. And so that's why almost like the, when we talk about the subs, we're talking about almost everything because they brought fresh legs and a completely different impact and a different energy. Fetty and Kamavinga were really good off the bench. And I thought they, were, they, bo- they both brought energy. I thought Kamavinga's movement as well as his just quick quick passing and just his energy made a big difference. And I think we have to start trusting these guys as starters in the upcoming games, regardless of how difficult those games are. We have to trust these guys as starters in some, at least one or two of these games, because these guys like Moritz just looks gas. Vinicius looks gas. Although I don't know if you're going to be able to necessarily bench Vinicius, especially with Rodrigo and Hazard's health and all that stuff. But, um, for sure, I think Kamavinga and Orfede will have to have a look here from the start in at least one of these upcoming games. But what did you notice that they brought to the table off the bench? And there's actually I think there's a question about it. One sec. Uh Sad Omar, our patron, by the way, patreon.com slash managing you get guaranteed responses to your questions. You get access to bonus content and a ton more. Sad says, Why did Carlo take so long to field Valverde and Kamavinga? They came on and Riamjo were dominating Asensio should have been removed a long time ago since he's just very poor there is no way he should get a contract extension okay so that second part maybe we can table but the subs
1: what do you what impact did you see from them it was definitely positive I thought um, they just brought an energy an intensity a freshness to to the game that was desperately needed um, and I mean I agree with Saad's uh, opinion that Asensio maybe should have came out of this game earlier and Fede should have been put on earlier. I don't know why we waited until about the 70th minute to, to put those subs on. But um, once once they were on the field, it, it made a difference. And Ohm actually um, put out a great tweet after the game. It kind of did some hand-counted stats and looked at some events of the pitch or on, of the match from the 73rd minute to the 86th minute. Um Real Madrid had ball possession for six minutes. Ball was out of play, or there was dead time for about five minutes. And Sevilla's time on the ball was about a minute and a half. And so you can tell from that from that period that Madrid is dominating the play, dominating possession, tiring Sevilla out. We're winning the ball high up the pitch, and you saw that with Camavinga and Fede. Like immediately, both of them were pressing high up the pitch to win the ball back and so we were able to sustain our possession so even like kind of to the Carval point i mentioned earlier even if like we we crossed the ball and we didn't win the cross and the second ball goes up in the air we were passing on Sevilla every single time they they won the ball and tried to build out and tried to counter and we were we either we either had a tactical foul or we just forced them into a corner where Militao and Alaba could could sweep everything up and so I think like that's those are the types of subs that I would want to see earlier. And I think for sure we're going to need these guys in upcoming games because this game, more than any other th- during this season, I feel like we really saw how tired the team was. The, it, the fatigue was, was present. I mean, I think we could, even just from us watching the game on TV, like it was easy to tell that Real Madrid looked tired. Most of the guys out there looked tired. And they just can't be sustained playing them every two to three days, and so Carlos got to start relying on some other members. So
0: you mentioned th- some of the defensive work and the pressing that Fede and and Kamavinga did. It was interesting because Carlo said on Saturday, in not the pregame, uh, the pregame press conference, but an interview with one of the Italian papers. Correo, Correo del Sport I think it was <clears throat> where he's, he's he actually had a lot of interesting quotes in that interview I, I'd encourage everyone to go read it which we won't dive into too much today but one of the many interesting things he said was I can't I can't press like I can't if I have mortgage and Cruz, I can't press and I think what he meant by that is like basically when you have Cruz and if you had Cruz and mortgage when they were 22. I think you could do it but now I think it's more difficult and I wonder like how much that dynamic would change with his if he would be more if he would be more um more aggressive or at least hasn't give, had wouldn't have given up on the press if Kamaminga and Fede were his starters week in week out I'm not saying that that's sustainable I'm just saying like I, I'd wonder how much that would change his tactics but but uh it's something that's just that's worth noting and uh I agree. I I I it was just really nice to have Fede back. It it was really it was really good to have him back. It was you know, Kamavinga, Lucas and I were talking on Thursday that yeah, he cooled off a little bit. He hasn't been playing up to the standard he when he first arrived when he was scoring a goal and assisting on base, basically on every touch for like two games or whatever it was, short sample size. But as exciting he was then and there was a little bit of drop off, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it was bad enough for him to be outcasted the way he was, and I think he needs more minutes, I, I'd like to see him more, I thought him and Fede felt really good today off the bench, and it was nice to see that, Kroos um, got a lot of criticism too, I'm not, I don't think Kroos was that bad today, I don't know if, I, I felt maybe that part of it was exaggerated. Oh, I, didn't see, I
1: didn't see the criticism, Yeah, I, I thought he bit.
0: was good, yeah I thought he was okay. fine. Hmm. Um, like I saw a lot of people criticizing his passing for some reason. The numbers just don't back up that criticism. Again, yeah. eleven for twelve long balls today. Um, yeah. Nope. I don't really have huge issues with Cruz in a game like this. Um, I was gonna say something.
1: Do you have? Should we take the questions and then, and then maybe other things will come to us? Um, yeah. Just want two. Right before we take the questions, just two quick things. I think the only other kind of relevant from the second half that i thought were pivotal moments at least from a real madrid perspective was one um in the 57th minute when that casemiro had a great first time pass to free marco asensio Mm -hmm. and he goes he goes uh on the counter in transition and he hedges starts hedging towards the left so he's on his so he can go on his left foot and benzema makes a great run and Asensio is to shoot it himself, and I personally thought Asensio should have definitely passed that to Benzema. Um, and if you don't pass that to Benzema, I mean, with the especially with the form Benzema is in, like he's on a Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi level form, Ballon d'Or podium player, potential winner. Like then, if you're not going to pass it to him in that scenario, you better score, and he or at least get it on target and make something happen, and and. Um, the shot obviously went over so uh, i i felt like that was a pivotal moment and then the other one was in the 68th minute when militao does that like double header kind of clearance pass and uh ends up with the ball and he kind of has a similar moment to to asencia where he's in transition uh running at a, a retreating sevilla back line and it goes down he ends up going down the right and takes a shot that goes way over way over the bar. Um, unlike Asensio, I don't think the pass to Benzema was on in that scenario. Benzema ran like hell to try and create an option for, for for Vinny, but I don't think it was as clear-cut as the Asensio one. The Asensio
0: shot in transition, so you mentioned Benzema. There are two options for me were Benzema, who overlapped on his right, or Cruz with a square ball that may have opened up something else as well. I also like when he first shot it, I thought actually it was like, oh, that's a great shot. I think it came pretty close. The replay showed that it actually wasn't as close as I, as at least I thought it was. And um, yeah, those are uh, those moments of, with Asensu. It was like, of yani, you it comes with the territory almost. It's like you you just know that Asensu is not going to make the best decision in transition all the time. And if he sees a shot at goal, he's going to take it, which on one hand is good, but You know it's not good for every single situation, obviously. Um, I just remembered a couple more talking points before we get to questions too. And I also just wanted to mention about Vinicius is that, you know, you and I were talking at the beginning of the podcast about how he can have a rough game and still come a moment like that. I still, I felt that, um, even despite him having a rough game and being a little bit more quiet and struggling a little bit he's still to me like i could feel that he was going to do something every time he had the ball like there was a chance for it I, I always felt confident that no matter what he can kind of play through this and have a big moment like this and i feel like that was i mean that was obviously apparent by the end of this game but i just still felt that even if he was struggling if we could have gotten the ball to him more he would have done something and there was a moment where You could kind of sense, I don't know if it was like a momentum shift, but I sensed that like in the 82nd minute, he starts like kind of taking players on a little bit. Sevilla get frustrated and just foul him. And, you know, we didn't get that enough. Like I felt like if we just gotten the ball more, let him cook a little bit, let him just provoke defenders a little bit, let let Sevilla defenders get frustrated, hack him down a little bit. I think we could have we could have broken them down a little bit more psycholo- psychologically. Um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that I don't know if you saw, but Benzema um, tonight became the highest goal scorer from a French striker in football history at club level, surpassing Thierry Henry. Um, which has sparked much debate. If you remember, I don't know, was it a year ago or so, maybe more, when Zidane had the famous post-game quote where he said, for me, Benzema's the greatest French striker in history, and that, that stirred up a lot of controversy because everyone brought up Thierry Henry. And I thought it was funny tonight because Benzema put out a tweet, which I don't know if you saw this, but... Yeah, quote, I saw it. Yeah, he says, proud to have become the best French striker in history. Like He didn't even say, <laughs> I've become... <laughs> I've become the highest goal score he said i'm the best i'm proud to have become the best <laughs> yeah. tonight he proclaimed himself the best which uh, I, maybe it was something lost in translation i don't know but it was it was what he said so i just thought it was interesting and, and kind of funny but i actually don't disagree with him that's the thing i actually think he's i was skeptical a year ago i actually even think i came out and said that no way he's not better
1: than on i think all three of us I think all three of us said Henri. Yeah, was, I was still better. I think I've changed my mind now. <laughs> um. I, I, I think so too. I like. I don't want to discredit how good Henri was because I think that's easy to do. Um, and I think like at his very peak, I mean, he was an absolute monster. And um, but right now, Benzema, I mean. Ben's, ben, like I just said, he's a potential winner of the Ballon d'Or. Like, what more needs to be said? This guy has come leaps and bounds. And even he's aging, he's getting better as he ages. And I just think, like, all around, as an all-around player, um, he he probably does edge it over Thierry Henry. Well, he's definitely aged better than Henry has. Um, I, oh, yeah, I
0: looked sure. at some of the numbers because I thought, okay, he surpassed um, Henry in goals. But I wonder in how many games and what's the ratio here. So this is, I mean, and this is where I think, I'll provide some context in a second. So per 90 over the course of a career, Benzema has a better goal scoring ratio, 0.64, club level, Henri, 0.58. Uh, assists per 90 are about even, Benzema, 0.28, Henri, 0.3. So the the context of those numbers is, Henri got Henri just aged so poorly that you know he the older he got the less efficient he, he got. If you take Henri's peak, like if you for example only take the Arsenal years, Henri's goal scoring ratio is 0.73, which is higher than Benzema's peak. Benzema's Benzema like even if you only take his his you know his Real Madrid years, he's He's just at 0.6, which is obviously still amazing, but it's not. I don't. I think it's at their absolute peaks of their powers, Henri is probably better. But I think over the course of the career, I think Benzema has it. The other thing is that we can say Henri aged poorly and stuff, and maybe his numbers dropped as he got older. Well, this is also I think one point extra in Benzema's favor. Those Benzema numbers all come with only two clubs: Real Madrid and Leon, against a bunch of. You know these are all important games. Henri's lower uh, goal ratio includes Red Bulls, his return to Arsenal, um, and and everything in between in those days too. Which where you think like if anything, maybe he should have bumped up his goal scoring ratio in in those in those seasons, but he didn't. So I I I don't I wouldn't argue it is what I'm saying. So I. I'm okay with putting proclaiming Benzema's... I'm okay with Benzema's self-proclamation, I guess. Um, let's take a question. Shivam Tiwari says, Who do you guys think has a higher ceiling? Is it Vinicius or Foden? And who do you guys think is better currently?
1: Huh, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, I also believe it came in before the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't. I mean, it doesn't change my answer. No, but, I guess not. But I, I um, suppose
0: the, the hype, the, yeah, the hype of yeah. this game would have maybe skewed our answer a little bit.
1: But I think, are they both the same age? They're both twenty-one, I guess. Um, Foden, I feel like is Foden injured right now, or is he, I feel like he hasn't been in the city team as much lately. But Foden is twenty-one. I think he's he's played. A, he hasn't played as many games this season. My, I, don't, I don't know. If, I'll check. I, I just feel like Foden is um, – he he's so versatile. He can play a number of positions. He can play and He can play in the He probably plays as a number eight. Um, but I think he's more probably systems-based. And so, like, if I had to pick between the two, I'm definitely – I would definitely pick Vinicius. Um, and I just think Vinicius in the modern game especially – just fits so many different types of systems that you're looking for. And and especially if you're with just his, his physique, his pace, his speed and his technical skills and his defensive work rate and his pressing like that alone, um, makes him unique as a two way winger. And so for me, he edges it. But if you would have asked me this question last year, I probably would have picked Foden. Um, but right now I'm, I'm picking Vinicius.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. If if we were answering this question last season, it's it's not maybe that obvious, but to me it would have been Foden. I think a lot of people would have said Foden because he was on his hot streak. Vinicius was struggling with goal scoring. So, you know, you fast forward to now and Vinicius is obviously having the much better season. Um, and Foden's played eight games. Uh, my... The tab I'm trying to figure out. So he's had he's had a foot injury this season, but he only missed four games in his injury. He came back from injury September 9th. So he hasn't been as efficient as Vinny, obviously, this season. And so, you know, recency bias would tell us Vinny. But, you know, I I remember Foden's hot streak last season. And it's nothing... It's not what... It's not even doesn't seem comparable to me to what Vinicius has done in the first two months of this season. Yeah. So so for that reason, I think it's reasonable to say that Vinicius is a higher ceiling and I'm okay with that. Um, Do we... I think we have to wrap it up here, right? We're really pressed for time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we'll be back on Tuesday for a loan tracker. That's over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And that's where you go to get access to a bunch of things. See you guys in New York next weekend. Uh, We are going to have a blast in Times Square at the Player Irish Pub. If you want tickets to that, link link is in the show notes. Matt, thank you, my friend. We will chat on Tuesday and we will speak soon. And thank you guys for listening. Take care.
1: Thanks, Ian. Take care.
0: All right, before I wrap it up, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our $10 plus patrons. Shout out to all of our amazing patrons who do so much to support the show. Shout out to $10 plus patrons who get guaranteed responses to your questions, but also specific shout outs to the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Way Pering, Wamit Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Sumatru Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Shamil, Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Sorosano, Said Mahad, Sad Omar, Rovi Tahiev, uh, Rishi D, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Phoenix, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicolas Zapatero Zubiare, Nick Rivero, Muksi Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Marcos Treminio, Treminio Leon Sabernakis, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Ranthikiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, essay Dabicito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin, Fiore Erdman, Anthony Lombardi, Anirudh Singh, Alexei Saniseros, Al, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Fabio Moreno and Daniel Smith, thank you so much, guys. We love you very, very much. Pleasure meeting so many of you on this world tour and look forward to meeting even more of you. And have a great weekend and Halamari.